Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Salary packaging, it is the most confusing thing on the planet, unless you are a professional accountant, and today we have got one of those just for you. You're listening to My Millennial Money. We've got so many questions from all of you today. Welcome to My Millennial Money. My friend says she salary packages her mortgage repayments. What the hell? Can I do this? In an answer, yes. Um, So, salary packaging is where your employer agrees to uh, give you something in return for you foregoing some of your salary. So, that can be absolutely anything, which is why this can be so complicated. Right. So, John, we have got Hannah. Yes. And welcome, Hannah. Hey. How welcome, you Hannah. Good. Thank Good you. to have you. She's an accountant with one of the big four. Yeah. We, we won't mention that. We won't which mention one? any names. It's but a, it's big. It's huge. As Donald Trump would say, huge. Huge. <laughs> I got a lot of friends in the accountant space. Good people, good people, great people. Ah, <laughs> uh, clown. All right, so it's complicated, right? Yes. So talk to us about why a business may allow salary packaging to its employees. And today, if you are self-employed, just you're here for the ride. You might learn something if you ever hate working for yourself and want to get a job. If you're working for a small family business that, might not be an option. Who knows? Let's see where this goes. But where turn did it the, off. Turn it off. Turn it off right now. Where did the salary packaging thing come? Where does it fit in? Why does it exist? Yeah, sure. So, um, where a company gives an employee a benefit, that could be anything from a car to movie tickets to a gift voucher. Um, the company pays tax on that on behalf of the employee um, and that's called fringe benefits tax. So, in the system of tax in Australia, we have pay-as-you-go withholding, which individuals pay, or income tax. And then if a company provides a benefit to an employee, they pay fringe benefits tax. And that's at the highest marginal tax rate, so 47% at the moment. Um, so to the extent that a company provides a benefit to an employee, they may be stung with additional tax. So the question then becomes, well, why do they do it and, and what works best? Yeah. So why would they do it? <laughs> Sounds crazy. <laughs> um. Because the government has certain concessions in place for certain items that will allow employees or employers to provide benefits, um, FBT exempt or um, concessionally taxed, so yep. less than the 47%. So cool. that could mean uh, for the non-government organisations or non-for-profits or even the health system or government workers to help attract people to those roles, they will allow them employees to receive a benefit or a packaged item and then the entity or the company doesn't have to pay the fringe benefit tax. That's exactly right. And if I could use the example, if John employs me, yes, his PYT, pretty young thang, yeah. uh, as your new receptionist, John, you 
Imagine that. Imagine. <laughs> I'm like, what up, John's office? <laughs> if if you said, Glenn, absolutely, you can salary package a car. Absolutely. I'll pay for it. But the government would charge you as the employer fringe benefits tax because you're paying me with as a fringe benefit the car. Yep. And you would pass that tax on to me. So I would have to pay for it. So just not worth it. Not worth it, no. But if you had the John Pigeon Foundation of Life. Yes. It was a, <laughs> which is it was a non, non-for-profit. Non, non-for-profit. Yeah, li- had a like pr- this uh, podcast. Like, <laughs> 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 hey, well, it's not non-profit. It's just not for gain. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, and you were the John Pigeon Foundation of Life had the government approvals. Mm. You didn't have much money, but you wanted to attract good quality people like myself to your business. Yes. You could say, Bottle Glenn, of the barrel stuff. Yeah. Glenn, he's 45 grand plus we'll give you 16 grand a year as fringe benefits tax free because you don't have to pay the fringe benefit tax. Is yeah. that a good way to explain yeah, it? Yeah, no, that is. It is. In layman's terms. And, um, the companies or the entities will use uh, external providers to manage these programs on their behalf and deep fill in the paperwork, send it away, and away you go. Oh, so that's cool. That's why you have these unusual things that people can salary package that you might not think otherwise, like mortgage payments, rent payments, um, meal expenses, things like that. Yeah, and it's so confusing. Yeah, so who would manage that on behalf of a company, for example? Like, is there names out there that you can provide? Like, who does it? So um, each, uh, especially government departments, will have a number of entities depending on, um, on what where they're located. For example, um, so Maxia is one of them. Um, it, it depends. I think there's certain companies will specify, like they might just look after cars. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think Maxia others, does cars, and mainly. there's other ones that do just more broader benefits as yeah. well. Okay, so it's it's in their best interest to get their name out to education teachings, nurses, all those government companies and endorse their product to them. Yeah, so the entity or the government department needs to have that agreement in place with the ATO before they can provide those types of benefits. So if you're not sure if it's going to work for you or if that's available, check with your employer. Yeah, and I know, and I hadn't looked at this in detail for probably over 10 years, but when I was working here in Sydney, because we're in Sydney right now, there's different health regions for the hospital network, some that might be further out west may pay a higher fringe benefit or salary sacrifice component than maybe inner city. Is that correct? Um, I think it's usually the same uh, rate right. for the entity that's employing the staff members, but you might find that there's dish- additional benefits that's above and beyond that that you might be able to get if you're working rurally. Yeah, because I think Geographic it's just to location. attract people yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If your work allows you to salary package things. Can anyone salary package their mortgage or rent payment? So the employer will have a policy or um, guidelines around what they will allow their employees to do. So your employer doesn't have to allow you to salary package anything. So it's actually the employer's choice. Um, it, it's, it's a HR policy. It's not even a tax policy as such. So it sits within the HR payroll business um, and they will be able to tell you what they allow. Is it true that anyone can salary sacrifice legally, obviously super, and a laptop per year 
Was so it, did it, it used to be a laptop? Yeah, you used to be able to with your laptops. Right. Um, some employers still do, but it's not as straightforward as what it used to be in terms of you didn't even have to use it for work purposes. But now they expect that you use it primarily for work purposes in order to to do that. Um, and if they already provide you with a laptop, then an additional one wouldn't be considered generally. Right. So, so Hannah, I'm sitting here thinking, well, yeah, okay, this salary sacrificing bizarre, it's, it's new to me. Um, how do I know if it's suitable for me? What, what are the questions I'm asking? What I would suggest you do is have a look at what does your company offer firstly. So do they have a policy? Can you talk to payroll or HR and ask questions about what they offer? Speak to some of your colleagues as well. What do they do? get as much information about that as to be to begin with and then once you're on with that information go seek some advice work through the numbers with your accountant and just figure out what will that mean to you if you did take that on yeah okay because my very um limited view or knowledge around this is it suits higher income earners more than lower income earners is that fair to say so it, it definitely has a, a um, higher benefit the higher your marginal tax rate is so if you're at the the top level which is 47 percent, you're going to have drive more of a benefit than someone who's at the 34 and a half percent bracket so what it hap- and how it works i suppose is that it reduces your taxable income so your tax that you pay reduces yep. um, but then to the extent that your employer asks you to make a contribution towards that which happens quite a lot when you have a innovated lease for example um, you then may be required to pay some money towards that fpt expense right we've got another question should i salary package a leased car that's probably one of the more complicated areas of salary packaging. So I think when you're first looking into that, the question then becomes, well, where, what do you expect to pay out for the vehicle? So if you're looking at different scenarios, one of them would be I buy the car myself and if I'm using it for work, I can claim some tax deductions in my return. Um, the other alternative would be if I have an ovated lease, how does that look with my employer um, who pays for what, what, what are the expectations around um, my contribution financially towards that, but then also um, what paperwork do I have to do, um, how long is it going to be for, uh, what's the financing rate, you know, what interest rate's on the loan, do I have any choice over the insurer, the, the levels of insurance, all of those different questions. Um, and then also if I was to just get a loan separately and um, – Use the, use the car, what, what are those three, I suppose, uh, scenarios look like to make a comparison? Yeah, and I think like I've said this before when we're talking about this because it's so complex and I did this when I was employed with a car. I actually paid an accountant a couple hundred dollars or whatever they charged to do three scenarios. Yeah. Like <clears throat> one scenario if I did my own name, second scenario if I packaged it and then the third scenario maybe some type of blend of, I don't know, like – because it's just everybody's situation and there's no one answer about car leases. In Australia, it's different for those in America. Generally, when you say a car lease, they would charge you an amount where you actually don't own the car. You lease the car, you le- like they pay for all the tires and everything like that, and it's a freaking ripoff. But in Australia, the car's in your name, generally, but there's a mortgage over it there's a a a loan there's a caveat over it which is the loan that you're responsible for so it's a little bit different 
Yeah, because we get this quite a bit. I know you're a car lover and you're quite emotional when it comes to buying cars. <laughs> so true. However, um, I've got this $30,000 car. I'm salary packaging and it's all good. But the facts are it's a depreciating asset. So in five years' time, it might be worth 15000 But in my mind, I'll salary package it so it hasn't cost me anything. That's a common one we get, right? Like mm. logic has to come into play and not just think that it's going to be all okay because I'm salary packaging. Exactly. And some employers are happy to bear the cost of any fringe benefits that arise because they might see that you're um, more senior in the organisation or they use it as a retention tool. Other employers want to make sure that they're neutral so they're not actually paying any extra. So even your company policy can change what your position will be. Yeah, I, I would probably say, you know, if Uncle Glennie could just uh, say a couple of <laughs> bits of advice to those out there. If you're if you're going for a new role and they're like, you've got a car allowance up to $15,000 a year, it does not mean you have to spend all that money. Throw it back and say, hey, I'm just going to drive my 10 grand piece of crap, which yeah. you can get a lot of car for 10 grand. I certainly did. Um, and I'll just take the rest of salary. Like, mm. just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And so that's the a big trap, um, spending all your car allocation. Yeah. The second thing is if, for example, you they go, yeah, you can have this allocation and you've got to get the car in your name and the loan in your name. If you leave that company within that time, you're carrying the bag for the freaking car because it's your car. So I'm more of a fan, if possible, if cars are involved with work arrangements as your primary thing to use, Use a company car. Get them to pay for yeah. all the expenses. You're not carrying any of the risk. Yeah, get out of your name. Um, and and for lending, that's massive, isn't it? Absolutely. I, like I, a, I use a company car. I've got no car debt, but I run this car. Yeah, but your salary would probably be a little bit less to reflect that. But um, yeah, what do you have any comments on that, Hannah? Um, I think it just if you were to enter into an novated lease arrangement, I think where it is probably looks to be more beneficial is where you're already in the top tax bracket, which I think we were discussing earlier, or the proportion of your use of the vehicle is more and more work use rather than personal. So you end up paying from a tax perspective more FVT if you're just using it for personal use. And what I mean from a work perspective is that home to work and work home is personal travel. Yeah. So it's only in addition to that. Um, so if you're using it a lot for business travel, like you have a sales role and you're on the road all the time, very different outcome than if you just drive it to work and park it at work and then drive it home in the evening. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would say like you're an accountant. How is it, you know, deep science NASA stuff to crunch the numbers? <laughs> like do it, you get confused or is it it, like- it takes a bit of time because you need to understand firstly who's paying what. I think that's the most important part. But then also you can check change the type of vehicle that you have so if you have your mindset on one particular car then you use that one but if you you know you're not fussed you've got maybe three or four you want to choose from then the numbers are all going to be different yeah um the leasing companies will be able to sit down and run some scenarios with you as well to give you a guide as to what to expect as well so that should be your first uh first protocol if you are looking at that arrangement but definitely don't take their word for it get your own advice yeah. as well. and, and i will say like it can be beneficial to use, for example, a novated lease and salary package a car, you could actually save money yes. net on net. Yeah. So but it's personal, isn't it? It's personal. Pay an accountant to get your own advice. Okay. I've got another question here. 
Can I salary package into super to avoid repaying my hex debt? Uh, you know, in a word, no. Sure. So, um, what used to be the case back in the day, and back in the day might only be five years ago, um, but you could put money into super and by doing so reduce your taxable income, then that flows through to your help repayments, it flows through to your child support payments, a whole heap of other government benefits as well. So, you could effectively hide money, get it offline mm. for… Fraud. Yeah. And the government cottoned onto that and went, this is not what we want, you know. Um, so, in what they've introduced is that if you choose to put additional super in through your employer through salary sacrifice, your employer has an obligation to effectively report that number on your payment summary, your income statement as a reportable um, employer superannuation contribution or RESC amount. So there's a line at the bottom of your payment summary that has that amount on it now. So that will then get added back in when you consider what your hex repayments are for the year, um, you, you know, if you meet the Medicare levy surcharge threshold and all those other things. Yeah. So, for example, uh, this is really important because if – well, when I'm employed, my employer pays 9.5% super. Is that counted as a reportable super contribution? No. So, it's only where you have the ability to change the amount. So, your employer has their obligation to pay their super. That's one thing. But then if you ask them to put in extra, so through salary packaging, then that um, you've had an influence over that amount. So, therefore, it becomes a reportable super contribution. Yeah. So, you can't get around basically paying your hex off. Rotting the system. Rotting the system. No. So, just on the hex thing, um, talk to us about the trap where people might work for a a government or a hospital or something like that and they get a hex bill at the end of the year. How can we stop that happening? This happens quite a lot where – so, either you're putting extra money into super, so – what happens there is that your taxable income goes down, but payroll sees that um, reduce or reduced income and then bases the compulsory repayments for your HEX through payroll based on that figure. In doing so, what happens at the end of the year when your um, reportable super contribution gets added back in or if you've had uh, salary package fringe benefits throughout the year, that might be if you're a, at a, non, a not-for-profit, it could be just any employer. Um, that also gets added back at the end of the year as well on a reportable fringe benefits amount. So it's also on the same area of the payment summary or your income statement. And then that's when your HEX repayments are assessed, medical research charge, government payments are all assessed on that those final figures. And what's been withheld and what you're due to pay may not be – they may not align. Right. Surely, surely life is that much automated now that you could get that three months out. You'd think, you'd think. Um, payroll systems tend to struggle. Um, if you're cognizant of it up front when you enter into these types of arrangements, you can ask payroll to withhold the extra. Yeah. But what you should notice is that you'll be getting more money in your hand each pay period because of the salary packaging. So then if you're not asking them to withhold the extra, then mm. you need to be cognizant <clears throat> of putting that aside. Putting aside yeah. Okay, so is it worth if you're if you're a grad and you're getting a new job, whether – you know, it's tomorrow or whenever you're listening to this, going, hey, the, I'm getting paid 80K at a hospital or whatever or somewhere NGO or a non-for-profit and they will package 20 of it and making this up. So, my net take home 60K, which is what my hex will be based on, is it worth 
working out how much hex you'll actually have to pay on an 80k and the difference and just getting your employer to pay extra per week or per pay cycle and yeah. cash flow it. Yeah, you, you can do that or um, if you're disciplined enough and you have your cash flow all in place. With the Glen James spending plan. <laughs> <laughs> Putting the money in a separate savings account and just earning some interest on that until you do your return at the end of the year and you know where you're at because you might have some deductions or some other adjustments, you know, personal income that needs to add back in there as yeah. well. You might get outraged that yeah. you've had a bill for your hex at the end of the financial year, but it's no surprise you're always going to pay it. Exactly right. <laughs> and, and part of the taking control of your own situation is maybe having an, a meeting with your accountant three months or six months out from the end of the financial year, right, so that you're not looking back retrospectively. Yeah, and even um, ideally before you sign on the dotted line to sign up for something, yeah. do, do a projection at that point to get an idea about where you're at because then if it, the reportable super contributions and reportable fringe benefits will flow through to any government payments you receive as well. So just making sure that you're cognizant of you know, family tax benefit or whatever else, other mm. payments you might be receiving, is there a broader impact that you're not aware of? Yeah. Good word, cognizant. There's another question here. <laughs> you like that? Johnny boy. Um, it's definitely the smartest in the room. Oh, 100%. Mm. I know. I feel intimidated around yeah. Hannah. <laughs> I'm like in the Facebook group, I always like have to tag Hannah like, oh, right. am I correct? <laughs> Yeah, and she's doing extra study as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's even great. smarter yeah. in 12 months' time. We should actually pay Hannah as like a retainer to be like a bit of a Facebook group yeah, smart person. The, the IQ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you see coined by Hannah, it's right. Yeah. My employer won't allow me to salary sacrifice into my super. Is this legal? What's yes, the alternative? This is a question that came up in the group the other day actually. Um, like I mentioned before, there's no obligation on employers to do any salary packaging whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, if they don't want to do the admin because from a business perspective it can take time, a bit of effort, a bit of paperwork, um, especially smaller employers are, are more likely to not be interested or just not fully aware of how what they need to do. Um, so specifically around super, um, you can look at making – uh, tax deductible contributions to your super, which will get to the same. Uh, which is a impact. new initiative now. Yeah, it's only recent um, yep. that, you, that, you know, everyday. One July, yeah. Everyday employees can do that. Um, so before it was limited to pretty much self employed yep. or people who make all their money from oh, say, that's investment cool. I income. I didn't know that. I oh, didn't, yeah. No. no, so basically, if in my layman's terms, I'll explain it to John because we're both basic. So it helps <laughs> if I. So, John. Glad you said both. Um, so, for example, if I wanted to salary sacrifice five grand a year to super and did a hundred a week through work, I can then effectively that five grand is tax deductible because I've only paid fifteen percent on it as it's going into super. Yeah. But now, what you can do, remember, as a self-employed person, at the end of June, you might throw five grand into super yes. and claim it on tax. Yes. You can now do that as a normal employee. That's nice. Yeah. So, so just bear in mind with um, with that, and that's across the board. There's did I do good over here? Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> so the cap is five grand. No, no, no. The, that was the, an example. The cap for your concessional contributions, which is your pre-tax, so ones you're going to claim yep. a deduction for, or your employer contributions, um, or any salary package ones. The the cap for each year is twenty five grand. Five, yeah. Um, but as of one July last year. If you have less than I think it's half a million in your fund as of the last, the end of the last tax year, you can actually 
um, take up to your contributions up, up. Mm. effectively catch yeah. up for what cool. you haven't made in a prior yeah. year up to the 25 grand. So if Glenn's on 300 grand a year, like he is, um, his, his cap's still 25 grand. That's so exactly right. he can't really play that he, game. He probably has other issues. Um, I've got a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, hey, you're there's a guest ex- here. Yeah. <laughs> there's extra tax if your income is like over 250 grand yeah. each year. So goes up to 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably not as beneficial. No. But I would assume that most of the listeners aren't in that scenario. Yeah. Oh, we beat a few. If, if yeah. they are, I hope they've got a good advisor on their side yeah. to tell them <laughs> what yeah. they yeah. need to we do. Think they have. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool thing as well. So, mm. And I would say if you are working for, you know, I guess at the start I mentioned that, you know, it might not be for you if you work for a small employee, a small business or whatever, but if you do work for them and they're not letting you salary sacrifice to super because it's too hard, I would actually kindly push back on that and say, well, with the government clearinghouse and the ATO, like it's actually easier. Hmm. So if it's a a policy just because it's too hard basket and we're managing 15 staff in this small business, it should actually be easier than what it was a million years ago because they're making one payment per quarter Yeah, and in the background it just splits it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. exactly right. And, you know, there's more incentives to do so adding extra money to super now than what there used to be because you've got your first home super saver yep. scheme as well. Yeah. So do you want to give us your two cents on that? Because we we like to talk about this where possible. It's so overly complicated for what it's intending to achieve. I can see the merit in it, but there is like if you have a look on the ATO website, I actually called them up this morning and I just said do you have an example, a worked example on your website that I can point listeners to mm. so they can have a look through how it would work? They're like, oh, no, we don't. And the Money Smart site doesn't? N- no. <laughs> there's no, It's amazing, yeah, isn't it? exactly. So I, mm. I could sit down there and work one out myself. But yeah. as an advisor even, I can't point to one yeah. on the ATO's website. So it's, it's good for what it's trying to achieve except for the fact that it's overly complicated. Yeah. Do you have a direct line to the ACO? As a tax agent, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. You probably get the quality of answers is probably a little bit more higher, <laughs> higher than what yeah. you would get if you are calling for How do we public. get one? We have to be <laughs> accountant, do we? Smarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing I had there around salary packaging and this is just um, because people may not be aware of it and I certainly wasn't when I first started working was um, if you are moving, like relocating uh, to start a new job somewhere else. So let's just say you're currently working in Brisbane and you got this awesome job lined up in Adelaide and you're packing up the kids and the family to move. Um, if your employer isn't already paying for your relocation costs, ask them if you can salary package them. It's a really easy way to reduce That's your taxable income yeah. in that year. That's cool. Because, you know, your flights, your yeah. removal fees, if you're driving, you know, petrol costs and things. Yeah. Because you can't claim that in your tax return but it's a very easy thing that your employer can do for you to say yeah. you're a queen. Especially if you move in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not all. I lived in Adelaide, loved it. Shout out to Adelaide. Yeah, just going back to the first home super saver scheme. Yeah. The Money Smart website, it's got literally less than a paragraph on it and it, and then it just sends you a link to the ATO's website, yeah. which is, it's, it's quite deep. Like there's no basic explanation. How it works is that you've got a, um, you can salary package or put in tax deductible super contributions each year, maximum 15 grand a year. Um, and a maximum of 30 overall. So if you're doing it over, say, three, yep. two or three years. Um, 
when they go into your fund, they're taxed as normal super contribution, so 15%. But then when you request to have them released, you it becomes taxable income to you then, but you have a 30% tax offset. Yep. So for someone who's in the lower income brackets or not really earning much money, it wouldn't make sense. Mm. But if you're in that middle ground... Yeah, or so 32 to, to 37. It makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to some other questions. on all the time about getting our foundations in place, but our personal protection plan is something you need to do today. I know many of our listeners have got this set up, but if you're one of them and haven't already, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and I'll put you in touch with someone who can guide you through. Generally, there's no cost to have an initial chat. And if you're young, fit and healthy, you need to get this stuff in place today. If you've got a family and you're not covered, hey, what if you freaking died? I'm not messing around. You need to get insured. Do it, do it now. And anyone that I refer you to will do it the same way that we teach and we talk about here. And that advice provider, wherever you are in Australia, are happy to have a complimentary discussion with you at no cost to see where you're at and see if they can help. So what have you got to lose? Have a chat today. Jump on to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hong Legans on Instagram asks, how do you compare NGO salary packaged income, so the 15900 with a non-FBT when looking for work? So, I think the key there is looking at what are you taking home in your net pay each month and then adding back what you expect to pay in tax to figure out what your gross would be to compare because effectively you want to add additional salary in to take into account the fact that you can't package those benefits if you're not working for an NGO. So, my butchered explanation might be go to taxcalc.com.au, put your current salary in and work out your net tax. Yeah. Um, and then if you were going to get a job at a NGO or that had FBT, work out what their salary portion is after tax and then add the, the salary. value of the benefits. Yeah, the value on. to the benefits. So, you want to work your way backwards like you said, is that? Yeah. Is that kind of the easiest way to do it? That's the easiest way. Um, and also, depending on your employer, some will quote you a salary that's exclusive of super or inclusive. So, just bear that in mind as well. Uh, government departments tend to quote exclusive of super, whereas private companies tend to include super. Um, and I think pay uh, there's a website, Pay Calculator, and it has a little button you can click to say including or excluding yeah, so you um, can actually cool. run through your own little scenarios. And, and for the listeners, NGO being non-government organisation yes. yeah. and FBT being… Fringe benefits tax. Madison Elise asks on Instagram, if I salary package, will it impact my borrowing capacity when I apply for a home loan? I.e., does it appear that I earn 10K less, which I'm packaging? I would probably say no, but I'm not a mortgage broker. I'm not a mortgage broker. Because realistically, you are paid. The, the, net, the net wash-up should be the same. We're actually not mortgage brokers. We no, well, first I'll look at what is your gross income and then form a basis around that and then factor in your living expenses, what comes into your bank account and make an assessment from there. It's going to impact your net income, so what yeah. you have after tax each pay period. Um, but then I suppose… But yeah, all your expenses are going to be netted out from the salary. It could sacrifice. be as well, yeah. exactly. 
So, but that just speaks to like there's three of us here. We're dancing around the issues quite. I well. mean, we are amazingly intellectual beings, the three of us, and there's some things that we just don't know. So mm. it goes back to get a bloody good mortgage broker. Mm. Uh, there's another one here from Danny Lee Brown on Instagram again. Is salary packaging with hex debt beneficial? Is there a reason why I shouldn't? So run the numbers to see what you would be, what where you would sit before and after because that's how you'll know. Um, without thinking about anything else generally, you will be still better off albeit you need to make sure that if you're receiving extra salary in hand because you're paying less tax that you may have to then pay that towards your HEX liability. And I think the, the issue here is that having a tax bill at the end of the year if that's in relation to HEX, you're still paying off your HEX debt. It's not tax as such. And I think that's where the confusion comes, especially if people are used to constantly getting money back and then all of a sudden they have a bill, not knowing where that came from and or that actually being HEX rather than... Yeah. My two cents worth on that is I don't think you should ever be surprised by a bill. If you've got control of your situation, you're chained to your accountant, you should be expecting what you, you should be getting back or having to pay. Is that fair? Yeah. And to be honest, if you're getting large amounts back every year, my question then is... Well done. <laughs> or, no, the question well, is why. Why? Yeah. Because the money is better off in your hand in that time frame rather than yeah. the government's. With instalments. You're not earning, you you're not earning yeah. interest on it when it's sitting with the government. So, so I want to answer that question from Danny Lee Brown. Uh, if you can, Because not all employers who allow salary packaging will allow you to package your HEX payments. That's so correct. we need to be aware of that. So with my kind of financial planning hat on, I would say we're not paying our HEX debt off until we've got all our debt cleared. Yeah, until what's we've the got last our, interest in Well, it's not even that. It's, it's indexed, so yes, low interest. It dies with you. Uh, it will be paid off in due course anyway, but the garden path that I go down with, it's like, well, let's clean up our personal debt if we've got any, let's get our life established. And if that uh. means save a deposit for a home or investment property, let's focus on that. Next, I would say, can we now pay off our hex with salary sacrifice, which means a tax deductible payment into yeah. hex. I would only do it as a pure housekeeping. Yeah. Like I'm not, I guess I'm not paying off any extra on HEX unless it's a strategy to remove the last 10 grand of it so my servicing increases if I want to buy a home. So, Hannah, do you get many that want to do it or actually do it? Making additional contributions into the HEX? Yeah. No, no. generally not. Um, it, it might make sense if it's in your last year and you just want to clear it. Yeah, especially yeah. housekeeping. If you, especially yeah. if you're, like, you're looking to apply for a mortgage and you know it's going yeah. to impact your borrowing capacity. Yeah. Um, Generally, no, though. Um, in that example that Glenn used, um, just being cognizant that um, if you make any voluntary contributions throughout the year, it doesn't reduce your mandatory repayments. So that will still sit yeah. there. So just being aware of that, if you make those voluntary contributions, it's in addition to whatever else you're going to have to pay when your tax return comes. And, and I think we always need to drill home that you are charged the HEX payment based on your income threshold not on the amount of hex. That's so exactly right. So you could be, it's a weird scenario, you might have $200,000 worth of hex debt, 
and earning 80 grand a year. The person over here may have 10 grand worth of hex debt earning 200 grand worth of a year and you earning less may have to pay more on yeah. your hex mm. than someone earning more with uh, – anyway, you get it. Yeah, as a proportion of your overall income. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, uh, one other question. What is deducted pre-tax and what is deducted post-tax on novated leases? So, back to the car yeah, thing. That is very much – it depends um, based on – what I said earlier about what is your employer willing to pay, what are they asking you to pay, um, that's that's what your uh, the leasing company can run the numbers through sure. with you. So that's severely circumstantial. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Another question here from Morgs, uh, and these are again on Instagram. Is it better off taking a novated lease or taking out a personal loan and paying it off with salary packaging? There's no <laughs> straightforward answer with that one either. Um, with that, if you're using it purely for personal purposes, um, then the question becomes run the numbers. If you're using it for work purposes and there might be a tax deduction that you can claim, that's a different scenario again, but still need to run the numbers. It's not going to be the same answer for each person. Yeah, and I guess if you strictly mean personal loan, you will pay a higher interest rate yeah. because a novated lease will be secured against the car. Yes. Uh, but if you meant personal loan as in car loan, it might be the same. But again, pay a freaking accountant an yeah. hour worth of their time to crunch the numbers. Yeah. And if you bought a car five grand less in value, do you need any of them? Yeah, that's right. So anything else you want to drum home there, Hannah, that's on the top of your mind before we wrap this bad boy up to go? I think we've covered off most of it. The only other thing I had was um, some if if your some employers will allow you to have salary package additional holidays, which you don't even really think about. But if you know you're going overseas, you've got like a long holiday planned, or you have you've got a child on the way and you want to take some time off work, um, some employers will allow you to package additional leave. So let's just say you want an extra two weeks of leave each year. So they'll pay you 50 weeks of salary over 52 weeks. So you split that out over right. time mm. rather than taking some leave without pay. That's a good way to store up some additional leave when you've got something coming up that you know you want to be away for but you don't want to take that cash flow hit all at once. Good to know that. Hey, we'll uh, we'll end it there. Uh, we can put up some questions. We might even do a um, – do you want to do like a, a Zoom meeting one night on the Facebook group? Yeah. <laughs> They can see me and all my they can, And we can just facilitate some Q&A. How about we do that? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, sweet. All right, Hannah, thanks for coming thanks, in. Thanks, Hannah. Appreciate no your problems. time. All right. Bye. Bye. If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on get help and I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances. My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organization that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. 
If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.